Hey guys, welcome to the Quacks Podcast. So, hope life is treating you well out there. So today, I have an episode for you with a couple news pieces. And the first piece of news comes from Amazon, who confirmed their plans on removing the amino acid NAC from their websites. So if you've uh, been paying attention at all to what's happening right now in the health world, NAC uh, was banned by the FDA, kind of banned. They weren't, it wasn't like explicitly banned. Um, So NAC stands for N-acetylcysteine. And back in September of last year, the FDA issued a warning letter that said NAC could not be marketed as a supplement because it was first studied as a drug in 1963. I don't know about that reasoning, but um, yeah, that that was their uh, stated reason, I guess. So NAC is a pretty popular supplement for many different reasons. There are some great studies on it, uh, which clinically prove it can help depression, anxiety, and bipolar. Uh, Mike Cernovich is is a big proponent for it. He's a big guy on Twitter um, for, you know, those mood reasons. Many many people take it by itself or in formulations to help with uh, allergies, thinning mucus, better breathing, asthma, and it also helps with liver health. It's a precursor to glutathione, so it can help detox your liver. So it's very popular as a supplement. Now, with that said, I actually don't like NAC that much. Uh, in all, a lot of years that I've been reading, you know, health forums and stuff, NAC comes up again and again as causing problems for people. Um, you know, it can do things like lower thyroid levels. It can cause chronic fatigue in people. It can cause emotional problems. I remember I tried uh, a couple years ago when I was dealing with the breathing problems really bad. Uh, I tried some and it caused just like pure rage and exhaustion in me. Uh, so I'm, I'm really not a huge fan of NAC. I think it's risky to take it long-term. But short-term, it, it does have some, some real potential. And despite not being a fan of it, I, I still want it to be available out there. You know, I want people to be able to buy an amino acid off the shelf. So why is the FDA cracking down on NAC? Why is it banned? Well, if you've been reading the interwebs in the last year and a half, NAC is an ad hoc treatment for uh, the virus, the virus that shall not be named. Uh, The virus hurts your lungs, it lowers your glutathione levels, and it makes you exhausted, which are all things that NAC can help with. So the FDA obviously didn't say that this is the reason that they are banning NAC. They didn't say that outright, but the timing of these warning letters which coincided with right before the vaccines hit the market and the fall weather, which would cause a case spike, which it did. Well, it, it makes perfect sense. Uh, it, it lines up exactly. Despite what they say, um, you know, the FDA is not, is not our friends all the time. Um, you know, they say they're about safety, but the first and foremost job of the FDA is to protect the business and the profits of big pharma and big agriculture, basically food and drugs. Uh, one of the things I learned in economics back at ASU, and, and it's really amazing that I actually learned this at a college given what has happened to them now. I, I doubt I would learn this at a college now. But back then, at least, the economics professor, professors, they were all you know really big free market girls and guys. Um, they taught that free market was the best way to go. And, and one of the reasons was because of what's called regulatory capture. Now, what this says is that whenever you create a government organization to regulate some business industry, 
that government organization will be completely captured and controlled by that industry within a certain amount of years. And, and maybe that's 10 years or 20 years or something. Uh, the organization, it, it usually works like it's intended to for the first you know few years, for at least a little while. Um, but eventually it does get captured by that industry. And there's various reasons for that. I, I won't super go into it, but uh, it's totally true. The SEC, you know, the Securities and Exchange Commission, they're there to protect Wall Street. Uh, the Federal Reserve, they're there to protect the banks. The EPA is there to protect chemical companies and other environmental violators. It's just how it is, you know? And if you view these organizations through that lens, their actions, like banning uh, NAC, they make a lot more sense. And and I like that. I like when things make sense, even if it's, you know, not not great sense to make. I do think there are some good alternatives to NAC, uh, maybe not quite as complete as taking NAC, but uh, you could get a prescription from a naturopath for glutathione. Uh, then you can go buy it from a compounding pharmacy. At least that's how it works here in Arizona. Uh, it will need to be refrigerated, this glutathione. Uh, and then you take that glutathione and you nebulize it, meaning you you breathe it in. Uh, you can get a nebulizer from Amazon for like 30 bucks. They're not too expensive. And you do that when you need it, and it will clear mucus out of your lungs, and, and it kind of gives you many of the same benefits that NAC will. And I think this is this is a nice substitution. I actually do this every day. Um, I've been doing this for years now, and it costs me about $100 per month, which, you know, that isn't super cheap, but it's not too expensive either as far as, you know, medical treatments go. And th- one of the cool kickers about it is, is I, I never get sick. I, you know, I never got COVID, uh, despite being at several get togethers where multiple people got sick. I mean, it was crazy. I went to a get together where literally every adult who came and went, they got COVID soon after, except me. <laughs> it was amazing. It was like, wow, everybody got COVID, but me. And if I had to attribute one reason, uh, for this invulnerability, knock on wood, um, of never getting sick, it is, it is probably be probably because I nebulize glutathione every day. So uh, the NAC is off the market. And, and like I said, they didn't super ban it. They just sent some warning letters saying that, you know, it couldn't be marketed as a supplement. It's not like an outright ban. So I, d- I don't get exactly why everyone's getting off the market with it. Other than when the FDA kind of hints that something's banned, but not totally banned, it's like they don't want to ban it outright because that would involve lots of paperwork and studies and, and, and reasons for banning it. But if they do a soft ban, they can basically just make any company who uses NAC, they can just make their life hell. And so uh, it's just a, it's a skeezy way of doing business, but that's what we got. So the second thing I wanted to talk about today is vitamin D. So everywhere you look, you know, vitamin D is a wonderful vitamin that does really no wrong. I I think most people I talk to who come into a health food store use vitamin D. I remember around 2011-ish, back when I was first starting at Healthy Habit, uh, it was really making big waves on the health scene. I mean, it seemed like most chronic diseases were finding a connection to low vitamin D levels and even mainstream doctors were, you know, they were getting in on recommending it. Uh, I also remember there was this uh, vitamin D council. That, that was kind of one of the big buzzwords. They were this organization who was collecting studies on vitamin D and recommending everyone take lots of it. It sounded very official. It was like, well, you know, the vitamin D council recommends 5,000 IU per day. And it was like, oh, well, I better take it. 
Anyway, I think the science is coming around a little bit to view vitamin D levels in a more nuanced way, let's say. Uh, I've been doing some research on this thing called the Marshall Protocol, which is used to treat autoimmune diseases. And uh, it has a very contrarian view of vitamin D that I think can inform all people, not just those with autoimmune conditions, but all people about the fallacies when, you know, the, the pitfalls that you can run into when dealing with supplements and with health. So what's the Marshall Protocol? The Marshall Protocol, it's about correcting the root cause of autoimmune disease, which it claims are bacteria and maybe viruses that infect us and then release substances that trick our body into not attacking the bacteria or the virus so that they can live on inside us in this kind of chronic underlying infection. And these little critters do this by sabotaging what is called the VDR, the vitamin D receptor. And there's actually some decent evidence uh, for this. There is some evidence that autoimmune conditions could be low level, uh, low levels of chronic infection. If you remember back when I interviewed Ken Lassison on the gut microbiome, he talked about a doctor, Cecile Jaden, who would treat these occult effect infections with you know multiple rounds of different antibiotics. And occult infections were symptoms like uh, chronic fatigue, you know that that matched some infection, but they couldn't find evidence of the infection. That was the whole occult part. It was like, oh, there's an infection there, but it doesn't actually exist. Uh, Dr. Jaden just threw antibiotics at it, you know, like a dartboard, and and that worked somewhat. Um, There's also some studies on antibiotics helping with rheumatoid arthritis, uh, although there are doctors who claim that that's just because the antibiotics are anti-inflammatory. So there is some evidence around that, and there's also some evidence that viruses and uh, bacteria are able to mess with the VDR, the vitamin D receptor. So the point is there are some studies suggesting that chronic bacterial infections that are difficult to detect could cause you know, chronic infections like lupus, sarcoidosis, rheumatoid arthritis, and many of these other uh, mystery ailments you know, like chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia, and autism, that kind of thing. So what the Marshall Protocol says is that bacteria... They release certain proteins that sabotage our body's regulation of vitamin D. And the protocol suggests a VDR agonist, it's a drug, it's like a blood pressure drug, which theoretically fixes this sabotage. And then the body fights these infections properly. But the protocol says vitamin D is actually bad to take in this situation because it can be immunosuppressive. Now, one of the ways you can tell if this sabotage is occurring is a very low level of vitamin D and a high level of 1-25 vitamin D. Now, most people don't know, but there are multiple blood tests for vitamin D. Uh, There's the standard vitamin D blood test, which is the 25 vitamin D test or whatever, but there's also the 1-25 vitamin D test. They look very similar, but these different forms of vitamin D affect your immune system in the opposite way. Uh, So to simplify things, the regular vitamin D test that your doctor runs, you can think of that as kind of the immune suppressing type of vitamin D. Uh, And then the 125 type of vitamin D, that's the other type that they don't usually test, that's an immune stimulating vitamin D. So the protocol says, if you have a very low level of the immune suppressing vitamin D and a high level of the 125 immune stimulating vitamin D, 
that is the body attempting to fight one of those underlying infections. It's, it's basically like the body is trying to get the immune system ramped up and dealing with foreign invaders. And so, you know, the foreign invaders, they've, they've messed with the VDR, the, the vitamin D receptor. And so this vitamin D blood test signal is, is kind of going on deaf ears. But the, the test itself is saying, look, this immune suppressing vitamin D is low. And so that means the immune system is trying to be ramped up or the immune stimulating vitamin D is high. And so that means the immune system is trying to be ramped up. It's kind of like the same signal. Now, if this is true, in some people's cases, at least, then the regular vitamin D that your doctor tests is actually, it's not a cause of health or disease. It's an effect of what your body is trying to do. Meaning, you know, if you have low vitamin D, if your doctor says, hey, you have low vitamin D, this could be a sign that your body is pushing down your vitamin D level to attempt to ramp up your immune system. Uh, there's an infec infection there. You know, the body wants to fight it. But because vitamin D is, you know, all that in a bag of potato chips, every doctor is talking about how great vitamin D is. Well, what is the doctor going to say when you have a low vitamin D level? They're going to say, well, let's give you some more vitamin D so that we can improve those levels. Let's, you know, let's get those up. But how is your body going to like that if you're in this situation? Well, if it's trying to fight an infection, more vitamin D is the exact opposite thing that the body would want, you know, within this theory, it's going to suppress the immune system and the body doesn't want to do that. Um, the body wants to increase the immune system. Now there are different types of immune cells and some immune cells are actually increased from the vitamin D that you take. So, I mean, it gets complicated, but let's not make it too complex for, for just this theory. Let's keep it like this. The whole point of this though, is that humans make this mistake constantly. Uh, they mix up the cause and effect and they label an effect a cause. It's kind of like, like blaming firemen for a fire because, you know, by golly, whenever there's a fire, don't we see firemen there at the same time? I mean, that can't be a coincidence. The firemen, they must be causing it. And if we just get rid of the firemen, man, we won't have a problem with fires. In health, it's very similar. There's uh, the whole cholesterol and heart disease, you know? It's like, by God, look at these high cholesterol levels and they get heart disease. It must be the cholesterol. So it's kind of like that in this situation. Uh, it, it may be the case with vitamin D. Yes, there are studies that say the people with vitamin D levels between uh, 40 or 50 and 80, so 40 to 80 or 50 to 80, they tend to have the best health outcomes. This is true. But that may be just a marker for health. It may not be the cause of health, which means giving people vitamin D to get their levels up into that range, it's not going to give the promised benefits. You're not going to get all the extra survival from being in that golden zone of vitamin D, which is actually, that's what a lot of studies tell us. Uh, giving vitamin D to people, it sometimes helps and sometimes it does nothing and sometimes it might even harm. Now, I'm not saying that taking vitamin D is bad for you. Don't misunderstand me. Yeah, many studies show that giving vitamin D to people, it does not do anything and maybe it hurts, but some studies say that there are benefits. What I am saying is that if you have an autoimmune condition, or let's say, uh, let's say you have several vitamin D tests and they all come back low and you've been taking a ton of vitamin D now, you know, for ages and your levels just won't come up. Well, maybe those low levels are signifying something else. Maybe taking vitamin D is actually fighting what your body is trying to do. Your body's trying to strengthen a certain aspect of its immune system to fight an infection. So 
this could definitely be the case. While I was reading up about the Marshall Protocol, I did run into another doctor who claimed uh, that he could raise people's vitamin D levels by treating underlying infections. So there are other puzzle pieces to this low vitamin D level thing. Uh, And if you are one of those people who took some vitamin D, you know, your levels came up and they stayed up, well, carry on. You're you're probably getting some, some benefits. Good for you. But man, you know, that can be such a trap to get into when you think you are doing something good because of what you've been told. But in reality, you're actually fighting what your body is trying to do. And and I know this can be so complicated. People ask me like all the time for this podcast to just, just make it simple. You know, tell me what to do. Like stop having, uh, you know, on one hand, this is great. On the other hand, this kind of sucks. You know, is it good for me or bad for me? Just tell me. And I wish I could say it was simple. Uh, I, you know, I've been messing around with supplements and health stuff and learning and researching for more than 10 years now. And it just gets messier the more I learn. And I'm dedicated to telling the truth. I'm, I'm not going to, like, it would be a lot easier to build an audience and to get more followers and to get more popular by just sticking with the position and hammering it over and over again. You know, there are uh, people like uh, Morley Robinson who built an entire career on recommending magnesium for everything. I mean, he, he's got that magnesium Facebook group with tens of thousands of people. He, he built his career on just saying, use magnesium for everything. And I, I could, I cannot stand people like that. Uh, you know, I'm sure he's an interesting guy. I almost got to interview him one time and I would have loved to interview him, but I, I just remember thinking that there's just some dishonesty there. Because when people tried magnesium, maybe a lot of people got good effects and they were like, wow, this, this is working great. I mean, the, the group was huge. So lots of people did get good effects. But if you didn't get good effects, you were just told to take more magnesium. It wasn't really about helping people. It was about building a brand. And I guess, I guess I'm not looking to build a brand. If I do have one position that I, I do want to hammer home, it's that you have to be empirical. You have to be pragmatic at the end of the day. Um, so in this case, you know, if you hear about how great vitamin D levels are and you're taking vitamin D and your levels aren't going higher and and maybe you're starting to get infections or other immune problems, you know, go by what life is telling you. It isn't working. Switch it up. So anyways, uh, I do have some great shows coming up for you. I have one with uh, a nice mold lady who has been treating mold problems for many years. She should be really interesting. I have another one on a diet called the Lindy diet, which is how Eastern Orthodox monks would eat like centuries ago. So it's like the monastery diet. So we're going to learn about that, you know, some, some crazy topics here on the Quacks podcast. Anyway, thanks so much for listening, guys. Be well.